Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. <laughs> Coming at you somewhat uh, partially live from the driveway of the Ponderosa yeah. in Franklin, Tennessee. We are, we are in the Highlands. Oh, <laughs> or the, high, the Highlander. <laughs> All right. I, I just want to say we have now digressed to a quality level that we had like a year ago when we tried to do everything through the phones. So yeah. just so our friends out there know, Engineer Mondo uh, could not be there today. And since he has left his studio, we haven't got things set up on your side quite yet. Hopefully next week. But you are actually doing today's podcast from your phone with Newton in a car in your driveway. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I don't have decent phone reception inside my house and it's too noisy. Okay, so that answers, that answers that question. You wonder why we're out here? Yeah, like, are you fumigating the house? Uh, uh, did I do something wrong? That is <laughs> funny. That's right. You guys, I didn't realize you guys have been sitting in the car, according to my clock, uh, on the recording for 45 minutes, and I didn't realize Newton didn't know why you were no, both no, no, sitting no, in the car. <laughs> I finally said something terribly offensive, and Allie was like, no more. <laughs> Oh, see, the, the only reason I know that's not true is it's too early for Allie to have come down from her bedroom to talk to you. So I know that much about Allie. Oh, you think you do. Man, talk about radical lifestyle changes here at the house. My wife is up these days no later than 7 a.m. What? Yes. So confusing. <laughs> she also goes to she also goes to bed at 8 p.m., so... Wow, uh, that that yeah. is that is insane. I actually I love that about uh, the first time I stayed at your house and you said, "Well, Allie's not going to come down till eleven in the morning, so don't don't try to communicate with this is her thing. She feels totally comfortable with this." And I love that here I am a guest in your home and your wife was confident enough to say, "I'm not getting up earlier. I'm going to hang out in my bedroom <laughs> till I want, and then I'll come down." It's <laughs> actually a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we really like to make people feel at home. <laughs> Just pretend it's your house. We're going to do them. We're going to pretend it's ours. You can't take Well, I am excited because we have finally consolidated our pirate monk information onto the Facebook page. Uh, I un- saw un- that. Yeah. Unfortunately, there are. Uh, at least three of them out there. One of which hasn't been touched for like four years. And I don't know who set it up, so I couldn't uh, manage it. So I want to invite people to go and like. Uh, it's going to be facebook.com forward slash Pirate Monk Radio. And it'll take you right to the page, and you will see a picture of the whole team. We all got together yeah. on a boat to give a pirate picture. <laughs> they are. It's, it's a winning picture. It was hard to get the entire crew together. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> I'm glad that we spared no expense in um, in the creation of that that photo. Yeah, right. And, and what a day that was. Wasn't that a great day? Literally <laughs> no expense. Uh, <laughs> so, so hopefully, if you're listening, like log on right now, and you'll know what we're talking about. Uh, I don't think they have seen uh, my friends who are not they on the other end of this line. Uh, I don't think Nate and Newton have seen this newest version of the trip that they don't remember ever taking. So are you oh, guys... no, I, I pulled it up. I pulled it up. So it you, is fantastic. You're looking at it right now. Nate, do you like yeah. your new hat? My wife made me change the original. Nate, you had your baseball hat on. <laughs> and you, you, were holding, you were holding a yeah. picture of yourself, which oh. didn't make any sense. So I went ahead and put a parrot there because that's piratey. <laughs> Yeah. All right. What I love is that everybody has a hat except for me, which means that I clearly have either the best or the most hair. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Newton, your your hair was just so perfect with your little curl. Right. It was such a great hipster like look. 
that I, I had to not give you a hat. Plus, once Perfect. it got cropped onto Facebook, uh, we wouldn't have seen it anyway. So it worked out. Right, right. Plus, putting these hats on these guys took a long time. Okay. Fun with Photoshop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, that might be Microsoft Paint. I don't know if that's Photoshop. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, so, yeah, come, come check us out. Like us on Facebook. You'll get updates on what's going to be happening. You'll get links to the show if you don't already get them uh, through iTunes or whatever the other ones are. There's so many that it pops up. Yeah. On. So this will be a, a good home base for us. And again, we have uh, a new producer, Jay Spiegel, had helped us out for a long time and had to step away. And now we have uh, the young and talented Leanna Newby. And I like having a woman producer for this show. It's just there's something edgy about that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I would agree with you. Yeah. And I, and, um, I love that she's in California. I don't know why I do, but I do. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool. I'm, sure. I'm, <laughs> see, I, I was filtering things on the fly right there. But there yes, <laughs> at least there's two of us in California involved with the show. <laughs> and that's hooray good. So how are things going in the Larkin world? Oh, it's fine. We have been practicing hospitality here. The Larkin Hilton has been busy. Lots of uh, guests, friends, uh in and through the Ponderosa. It's been a wonderful time getting uh, set soon to start a pretty busy travel schedule through October on up into Thanksgiving. It looks like the first of the year is getting busy. So, uh, yeah. Good. It's, uh, it's good. Is fall, uh, is fall coming? Arctic weather has pretty much arrived here in Tennessee. So yeah. the leaves are changing. You're starting to move in that direction? Uh, they're, they're, they're thinking about changing. You can tell. Yeah, it's on the docket. Yeah. <laughs> that's, it's that's gone good. to committee. It's been, <laughs> Only it's... in the last couple of days has it become sweater weather in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. See, that sounds so nice. It has been 95 here for the last week, which makes yeah. soccer practices and soccer games miserable. Uh, that is just too hot for mid-September. It does not please me well. Wow. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a hunch that we're gonna get one more warmer than preferred. Yeah, push, but hopefully falls here to stay mostly. Well, for those yeah. of us who live in California and Phoenix, we like to hear the fall updates and what it's like to have leaves change colors. So yeah. keep us up to date on the yeah. coming of autumn. This is, this is how <laughs> this is how seasons work. That's right, exactly. <laughs> we will take some pictures and and post them to the page as the leaves turn. Hey, speaking of hats, I don't. You're you're not on. Uh, we're not on on video phone at the moment, um, uh -huh. but Nate's wearing a particularly festive party hat because it is his birthday. Uh, it's Nate's oh, birthday. Yeah. Well, we could sing happy birthday to him, but we won't. So oh, happy go. birthday, Nate. Yeah. Uh, and big plans for the birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're 58, big plans, making <laughs> I'm gonna take a nap, baby. <laughs> I'm gonna do what I want to do today, which involves, well, first and foremost, a nap. Yeah. Now it'll be some family time. We got kids and grandkids in town, and we'll have fun. Well, see, it's, it's like a theme, Nate. It is your birthday, and because I knew we weren't going to be Skyping because of how we had to record today, uh, I went ahead and just stayed in my underwear all morning out here in the studio, so I'm almost in my birthday suit. There you go. It's a theme on the Pirate Monk podcast today. <laughs> Not the first time of day I've been talking to a guy in his underwear. <laughs> uh, there's a follow-up question there, but I'm not asking it. Yeah. Uh, well, I just always like to make you that little bit of uncomfortable to know that, that I really yeah, enjoy every... these podcast days. Yeah. Very but the great good. thing is that this is recorded and people aren't listening live, so it's possible that whenever they listen to it, you actually might be in your underwear. Uh, that's true. <laughs> does, does, Nate, does Newton actually not believe that I'm sitting in my underwear and slippers right no, now? No, I do. Okay. No, I do. I just think it's a lifestyle commitment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've never considered it like that, but I embrace it. I receive it, and uh, and that's how it will be. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back on the Pirate Monk podcast. And we're back in the Pirate Monk Podcast. I don't know about you guys, but I could really use a meeting. I wasn't able to go this week. We had company in town. And, uh, uh, the calendar was full. How about we just have ourselves a little mini-meeting? Sounds good. Let's do it. We've now reached the sharing portion of this podcast. In sharing, we speak <laughs> <laughs> We speak honestly out of our own experience. We tell the truth about ourselves knowing that our brothers will listen to us in love and will hold whatever we say in strictest confidence. Strictest confidence. We try to keep our comments brief, taking care to leave plenty of time for others. We address our statements to the group as a whole rather than directing them toward any one person. As a rule, we refrain from giving advice to others or instructing them during the meeting, believing that such conversations are best reserved for private moments between friends. The suggested topic today is... Confusion, but we're not confusion. confusion. We're not confined to that subject. You may speak about any issue that's currently commanding your attention. All right. Well, I'm Nate. Nate. I guess I'll jump first on uh, on confusion. Uh, wow, I don't remember ever, by the way, I don't remember ever doing a meeting with the topic of confusion before. Yeah, me neither. Uh, wow. Uh, I do know that my time in recovery has brought me a lot more clarity than I ever had before. Not to say that I am not still... Uh, mystified by a lot of things, including why I do some of the things I do think in the ways that I sometimes think. Um, However, um, I'm not nearly as confused as I used to be. And I think that has to do with finally finding uh, a place that is safe enough and the understanding of the gospel that is clear enough uh, for me to drop my well um, cultivated habit of lying to myself and proving I'm reality uh, it, it, to stop uh, at least to make a commitment to step away from systematic denial and actually see myself for who I am, live in the world of what is uh and 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 deal with life on life's terms uh to me you know during those years when it was fatal for me even to admit that i wanted to do the things that i wanted to do or that i was doing the things i was doing uh when the maintenance of the persona was of paramount importance uh I wasn't able to see myself clearly. I wasn't able to look in the mirror, much less show my true self to somebody else. Uh, When I was being uh, told uh, how to think and uh, and how to believe in ways that were so legalistic that I wasn't allowed to ask questions or have doubts, uh, when I had to be certain to be a Christian, um, I adopted a certainty that was entirely artificial, and that and that leads really just to uh, fogginess and confusion. 
there is, uh, you know, there has been for me kind of this um, artificial clarity. I remember that there, when I was younger, I'm now that, it, okay, so it's my birthday today, and I'm <laughs> much to my astonishment, and I've reached the ancient age of 58. I cannot believe it, right? And uh, over the weekend, cleaning out a storage bin, I came across a picture of myself at about 19, I think. Hmm. Uh, and I actually posted it on my Facebook page because I couldn't, like, I could barely remember the kid in the picture. But I do know this about the kid, and you can see it in his face. At 19, I was pretty dang certain of an awful lot. Um, you know, I, uh, I'd worked out an awful lot of biblical calculus, and I had my theology straight. So I was really a star pupil in church and headed like a rocket for the ministry because I had all the answers, and I was eager to give the answers to the world. Um, I, that's, that's the crazy thing about that artificial certainty is I did not know how confused I was until, over the course of time, my pat answers failed to work. They didn't deliver for me the life that I thought they were going to deliver. Um, that faith that I saw, thought was faith, that was grounded in an artificial and intellectual certainty that was dependent upon staying away from certain subjects and not asking dangerous questions. That certainty turned out to be not so certain at all. It's not a durable certainty. And it, and it left me uh, not just mentally confused, uh, but morally confused. Uh, so it's crazy. Today I don't have uh, nearly as many answers as I used to have. But at the same time, I have more clarity. <clears throat> if only clarity about what I don't know. And a certainty that's deeper than intellectual certainty about things that I, uh, at at even an emotional level, I believe to be true, uh, even though I cannot uh, conduct, I can't construct an airtight intellectual defense for anything. So there I am. I, that was a very confused thing, but that's the best <laughs> I can do right now. Thanks, I'm Nate. Thanks. Thanks, Well, I'm Aaron. Hey, Aaron. Uh, Confusion is an interesting topic uh, to have been brought up today by somebody. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's been a big theme the last week in a lot of conversations I've been in. Uh, the, the personal part that strikes me even this morning, just hearing the word confusion, thinking about it, is that I, I, I'm realizing how much confusion and dishonesty go together in my mm -hmm. life, that the things that I say I'm confused about, to be confused about it is safer than confronting, finding out why I'm confused. Like, I, I was trying to think in my head, like, what what would be something natural for me to say I'm confused about? Oh, the this woman, this other species that I live with, uh, entirely different than me, she could do something that I'd say I'm confused as to why you reacted that way or why you thought that or why you said that. But as I think about it right now, I'm not usually confused. It's usually because I've done something that was easier for me. I spoke in a certain way. I presented information or communicated something in a way that if I was being honest, I would say, yeah, I'm not confused. Of course you acted like that because I did that and I've been with you for 21 years and I still do that and I know it bugs you and pushes you to that. I'm not confused. I'm an asshole. It's easier to there be confused. Go. And I think there are so many hard questions in life that I'm not I'm not so much confused. I just don't want to face why I'm scared that God would uh, be who he is. And I'm afraid I might come to the conclusion that he's not good, and that scares me. I don't want to have to go on the harder journey, so I'd rather just be confused. Mm. So that's what confusion... Uh, 
brought to my mind. Wow. Thanks, Aaron. Well, I'm Newton. Hey, Newton. Newton. Um, confusion. I'll, I'll do my best to articulate this. Um, when I, I guess, first got into recovery, um, I was I was was really confused, and I, and what I think about is my the muscles of my personality were terribly out of balance. Um, the things that I had convinced myself were good about me were bad. The things that I thought I'd been doing as an act of service, uh, you know, like, well, I'm just going to look at porn because I don't want to bother my wife with my sex drive. It's an act of service. Well, that was wrong. All these things that I had built up or convinced myself of, the realities that I had, I guess, put together were wrong. And all of a sudden I was confused. I didn't know what was right. I didn't know which way was up. Um, it felt like just being tossed underwater and spun around. And, you know, I had to just sit there and find balance, um, figure out which way is up, figure out what works, what doesn't work. Um, and I still feel that from time to time, but it's a, a little bit easier conversation either with myself or with other people um because because i those, those i guess personality muscles have started to find balance they've started to work the, you know i've i've become less confused about what i need mm-hmm. um you know i have people in my life who can say no you didn't do that because of this you did that because of this um, or you, you have this pattern, what's, what's that pattern about? Or, you know, things like that. Um, and now I'm, con- I'm confused in the middle of my, <laughs> of my, <laughs> my, my talk, but, um, yeah, I, I have, I have less confusion about what I need. Mm. Um, you know, and I feel like I have less confusion over where to get it yeah. uh, and, and healthy ways to get it. You know, I need intimacy. I know that I need it more than, well, I know how much I need it. I can't say how much that I need it more than anybody else, but I know that I need intimacy. And if in my relationship with my wife, she's not in a position to give that to me. I know where there are other ways to get it that are healthy. Yeah. You know, um, that I can get that from, from men, you know, in, in healthy, uh, healthy ways, biblical ways. Uh, I know that I need affirmation of a man and rather than seeking that from my wife, which is not where I believe you get it. It's not where I get it. Uh, I can, I get that from God. I get that from other men. Um, so I still have confusion over lots of things, but the things that I feel like used to derail me, um, the, the big things, the things that would keep me from being able to stand up, the major muscle groups. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there's less confusion there. I feel like I can walk. Um, you know, maybe I'm not running. Maybe I'm not an Olympic recovery athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I, know, I know what it looks like. I can recognize one. And, and you know, there, there's less confusion about things in their proper things in their proper place. Uh, And I'm going to stop there before I go down a different rabbit trail. Awesome. Thanks, Newton. Thanks, Newton. Well, there, there it is. That was, that was good to hear. That gives me some stuff to think about actually. So thanks. All right. Well, we have a special guest today. I'm very excited about. I know Nate's, Nate's excited. We, we had a little, uh, three-part conference years ago that we got to hang out actually four scott grissom was there wasn't he was that the time scott was there too i don't remember could have been okay so we haven't got to chat with our guest tammy maltby for a while and we're excited about it and that is coming right up here on the pirate monk podcast
and welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. We are now, uh, I've been looking forward to this, Aaron, ever since you told me that you had somehow managed to arrange a return engagement, uh, a conversation with one of our favorite people, Tammy Malty. And, and I got to say, mm-hmm. it wasn't me. It was new producer, Leanna Newby, that set this up, right, Tammy? So... All right, that's right. Special thanks. We love our new producer. (laughs) I know, exactly. I was thrilled. I was like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be so much fun. 15, 10, 15 minutes of pure delight. It's great (laughs) to hear your voices again, to say the very least. We had a great conference a couple years ago, and um, I think you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Absolutely. We had a blast. And you Allie was there, and she re- she really loved you, Tammy. She had a Thank great time, and was uh, so impressed right. to be able to, to connect with with other women. Now, I will. Thank you. I, I enjoyed will, her too. I will forever remember the sight of you in my rearview mirror chasing my car. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Didn't you like take my ticket, or there was no, something really bad that you, happened you at the airport? You left your purse in the back seat of my car, and then yeah, as you good. guys were yeah. leaving, I was driving away, and, and then you flagged down somebody and said, follow that car. And then when I was at the stop sign, you jumped out, and you guys were running after me. Really the oh, strangest listen, thing ever. I am a can't. You take a woman's purse. I'm telling you, don't do anything to get that purse back. Oh, I know. I mean, I you you put aside shame. You don't care. You are running <laughs> after that person. Dignity oh, to be damned. Lord, I've got I to never... catch that car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my hair was on fire. But you know what? We got the purse. You did. And, um, yeah, so I'm a tenacious person at heart, and uh, it served me well throughout my life. Nice. <laughs> oh, well, for those goodness. of you that... For those of you that don't know Tammy, uh, she is an author. Um, the book that we met, you had just, I think, pretty recently finished writing it. I'm not sure. The Confessions of a Good Christian Girl. And that is Tammy. Uh, a great, uh, I think people that like Nate's book would automatically like yours because it's coming from that mm-hmm. same place of let me tell you the real story. Mm-hmm. So right. I, I think there's that that really cool connection there. But I have followed you with all of your hospitality ministries. I have I have mm-hmm. actually used recipes that you have suggested. Yay, uh, I'm, good I'm, for you. I'm looking at your hamburger thing. Heavy whipping cream in your ground beef patties. <laughs> now the the word yeah the the Worcester sauce was uh, you know yeah I get that. But heavy whipping cream, what's up with that? Let's have mm. a let's have a food moment if we may. Well, believe it or not, I am a person of moderation. But when it comes to things like whipping cream, I um, I I always add just a taste of that into um, what I make. I love actually dairy products, but it'd be really hard for me to be uh, dairy free. But whipping cream—it's fabulous, and it just makes it a really fabulous juicy burger. It's not slathering it in the cream. It just makes it really fabulous and juicy. And actually, the Barefa Contessa, who is one of my favorite people that I follow, that was one of her tips. So I, uh, I've incorporated that into a lot of uh, things that I make. But she's great. I think we learn from we learn from one another, and that's one of the things that I love about hospitality. It's really about. Uh, it's not about impressing people. It's actually giving people a message about their value. It's telling people, I see you, I care about you, I've thought about you, and for the next several hours of you being in my home or sitting at a t- around a table together, that my um, heart and passion is to give you a message that I see you and to be transparent with each other and use food as a tool, because food is a great tool, but just use food as a tool, as a way of, of connecting with one another. It's it's really a beautiful community way of living, and I actually think it's extremely biblical. Yeah, well, I was actually going to say the food sharing to me has always been fascinating because in almost every other culture 
in the yeah. in the history of man, there is something significant. You know, we forget that in Jesus' time or in the Middle East, even now, sharing a meal means something different than to us. If you come into my house, right. it means you are my friend. I will protect you. I am a protector of mm-hmm. you. Uh, if anybody came to attack you while you were in my home, I will defend you physically. Uh, that there was this deep yeah. statement of reconciliation and peace in sharing a meal. And whenever something happens throughout you know, so many different cultures, I have to think that God built that into the very structure, the DNA structure, the mental, cultural, ontological view of how to live. There's some miraculous purpose. I think food, I think the issue of the meal, it just breaks down the pre, you know, uh, the pre, the, the ideas that we have of who people are. And, and somehow when we sit down and we actually have a meal together, and I mean, because you look at the life of Christ, he, I always loved it. There's so many things I love about Jesus, but one of the things I loved about him is that he was always inviting himself to people's houses for meals. <laughs> and I'm sort of like, you know, see if that works for your friends. See if they to your house for lunch and your house for dinner. And But there was something absolutely transformational that happened when we look at what, when Jesus was sitting around and actually, you know, they, they almost laid around tables because they ate for hours. But there was something that happened in the home of the Pharisees. Something happened when the prostitute entered the house. Something happened when the tax collector who had all the money and, and, and knew in his own heart that there was um, a need uh, for something beyond himself. There was something that happened when people sat around and talked about who they really were. And they did it around a table. I mean, it's just, it seems so simple. But it actually, I believe, it's incredibly spiritual. And you, Do you think are we are we just missing that all together in our culture, or is there? Do we have a cultural equivalent of that? Is there something else that we do that that feels like that that signifies that? Or well, it, I think there. I think hospitality can look all kinds of different ways. It doesn't, you know, hospice or the word hospitality comes from the word hostess, which means a place of healing, comfort, and care. So what that may look like can be, you know, we, we were just kind of chatting before the interview about the whole issue of can men do hospitality. Well, first and foremost, let me just remind us all that the best chefs in the world are men um, and that men oh, love hospitality. Does it look different than it does for women? Sometimes I believe it does. I think hospitality at the core issue is coming together, supping together, uh, having food as an element of, um, of that connection, but being transparent and honest about our lives. That's one of the things that I've always loved what Nate does and my passion when I heard you speak for the first time, Nate, and I was just like, wow. In, in a nutshell, you actually practice hospitality with other men because you're mm-hmm. transparent, you're honest. I'm guessing you probably have some good food and drink when you're with them. Yeah. <laughs> with other, yeah, of course. Um, it's it's all it's all fried there's... or fermented, Tammy. Fried or fermented, that is the Larkin way. <laughs> I, yeah. I, actually, I totally do believe that. Um, but again, the focus isn't on that Part of it, although I love great food and I love to have wonderful, you know, fabulous meals together, but we have to go to the deeper issue. That's the much deeper issue of this, is that we are seeing hospitality as a way, as a way of communicating to other people that we see them. I mean, yeah. that we really see them. We don't just see their exterior or what they project or their successes or their you know, what people, we, we want to know who people really are. And we want to un, un, unveil ourselves to reveal Christ. And so there's this huge dynamic that now is happening because food around a table makes those conversations feel a little more safe. People yeah. feel a little more seen. And so now we mirror that for other people. And then they have 
the safe place that they feel now they can be, you know, transparent with us. When I look back at the meals that I've shared with people and the things that they have shared about their lives with me, um, I even think hospitality happens on an airplane. I mean, I sit down on an airplane and I start eating a meal and all of a sudden the person next to me is telling me things, you know, that they would never share uh, yeah. probably with 99% of the people in their life. But we're communing together in a way where sitting down having this, even an airport meal together, they had yeah. this sense of, I actually care. I see you. Tell me your story. Tell me about you, who you really are. I think it's, it's miraculous when it happens. And, and you're, you know, and, go ahead, Nate. And, and in the Samson Society, we, you know, we say that we have a meeting, a weekly meeting, and then we have a meeting after the meeting, which is as important as the meeting itself. And that is spelled at a place that serves food and drink. Yeah. And, uh, as, you know, as important and valuable as that formal time, uh, is where we're, you know, we're, we're reminding ourselves of what we believe you know, what we're doing and how we do it. And as we are, you know, being very, you know, courageous and disciplined, there's something special that happens in the informal setting around food and drink and meeting after the meeting that in a lot of cases uh, turns out to be the pivot point of the evening. It's after that. uh, And often when I'm traveling around and consulting with Samson groups and they're, you know, trying to, uh, figure out how to take their group to the next level or if their meeting is struggling. Very often a group will struggle just because it is rigidly formal. They're having a meeting, but no meeting after the meeting. And without that hospitality, the critical dynamic is missing. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. And so it works not only in, um, in ministry and in our homes and in our churches, but it's also a model that clearly can be modeled in the business community because I do a lot of consulting uh, on leadership issues in business communities. And so that model, because it's so inherent, I would like to go back to this and even say it's so inherent in our desire as human beings to connect with other people on a visceral level, on a on a organic heart-to-heart level that we want to be known to people. We want to be seen and we we are always looking for avenues for that to happen. When I open up our home and we have, you know, we've had thousands, literally through my life, thousands and thousands of people through our home. Some are very casual, through teenagers and my four kids, and now I have four grandchildren. You know, my my home just kind of flies. It's just like mm-hmm. there's just people in and out of my home all the time. And if my focus was on my home being perfect or my food being perfect, or me having to be Martha Stewart, or me having to be anything other than what my life really looks like, which is usually kind of messy, fly-by-night, we're constantly responding to people's needs. I mean, it's just that's that's the reality of our lives. If I felt I had to perform for you coming into my home, I could never do this. I would wear myself out. If I feel like what I'm offering to you is a place where when you walk into my home, I, I, I take a step back and I just say, come and be all of who you are. Just come and be. And yeah. in the midst of you coming and being, and maybe the children are noisy or maybe the dog is barking or maybe I'm putting out, a, you know, Sam's lasagna because Lord knows I didn't have any time that day to do anything like make a homemade meal, which I love to do, but that's not always real for me. And Mm so my focus has to be, and my focus, I call it the miracle of a perspective change. When you start to see why you have your home, why you have your table, why God's giving you food or resources to purchase food or why he's giving you the gifts that he has of influence and communication, now all of a sudden, it's not about impressing you. It's actually giving you space and room to be so that yeah. in those next hours, you and I can sit down and we can really talk about what's, what's wounding your heart. What are you really 
struggling with? What are your temptations? What does that really look like to be a Christian person that struggles with addiction? I mean, hello, those conversations <laughs> have got to happen, and they don't happen often, unfortunately, in our churches. They happen in intimate places where people feel safe enough to have those conversations. I'm hearing a a real distinction between hospitality and entertaining. Huge. Yeah. Huge. I mean, it's it's huge. Entertaining is what the world tells us. Entertainment is exactly that. I am here to entertain you. Hospitality is not, I am here to entertain you. Hospitality is saying, I want to create a place where there is healing and care, where I'm not about impressing you, but rather I'm giving you space, room to be seen, truly, authentically. It's authentic living. It's, and not just about them, because it's also about me. Because people watch what you mirror to them. If I'm mirroring transparent, authentic living by allowing my children, my grandchildren, to make a mess in my house. I'm nearing for people that my house doesn't have to be perfect. My meals don't have to be gourmet in, in nature, though I love all those things. But I will not be controlled by those things. Those right. things will not control me because I realize it's the, the, the key element is the person, the soul, the ache the need, the longing for that person in my presence to be seen. My newest book is called The God Who Sees You, and I just released that last April. And the concept behind it is this. It's very simple. is that As we begin to understand that God really sees us, sees us in all of our junk, our successes, our hiding, our our uh, beauty, all the dynamics that make a human creation, a human being. When we see that God sees us, that we feel safe and secure in the fact that God sees us, then in turn we take that revelation and we start to then see, really see other people. And that we use this beautiful picture of hospitality, bringing healing, comfort, and care as a catalyst to do that. And so now all of a sudden it's this beautiful circle as we understand that God sees us, accepts us, loves us, gives us grace, mercy, kindness. Then in turn we can pour that out in this gift of hospitality to other people so that they can see that God sees them. I mean, it's just this incredibly beautiful way. I believe the New Testament church has been called to live in this time, in this place today, to be a vessel of God's love for people. Tammy, one of my favorite uh, pieces of a culture that is not my own is the Zulu greeting to one another. Have you you ever heard about that? Yeah. When the the Zulu greet each other, they don't go like, hey, Nate, or hi, how's it going? The first Mm -hmm. thing I would say to you is, I see you, Nate. And then you would say, here I am, Aaron. And that's how you Mm -hmm. say hello in a in in a way that probably speaks to the soul in in maybe the yeah. deepest way that God built us because he wants to be known he wants to be seen that's that is redemptive history and in John 17 Jesus says this is what I desire that they would know me and mm. in the place I came from so God's yeah. desire being revealed through Jesus is I want to be seen and so I always love that Zulu greeting that speaks to what God put in us of his own heart, that every day you're being greeted by people claiming to and hopefully truly seeing you. Beautiful. So, Tammy, I'm thinking about guys that uh, maybe, the, you know, they haven't had, uh, they haven't invited a handful of other people over for this kind of, I mean, what mm-hmm. you're talking about is a deep encounter with one another. And that might feel really intimidating. So picturing a guy lives in a small apartment thinking, I could never engage in this thing that she's weaving together so beautifully. What do you say to him practically? What does he do? 
think it's a great question because the answer is there is no specific formula. And what looks like hospitality to you could look very different to me. And that is actually really good news. That's really great news because it means that um, whoever you are and your gifts and your personality and um, how you connect with one another is going to look specifically like you. So we have to let go, first and foremost, of the issue of comparison. I mean, I think comparison is the thief of joy. And so when I look at other people and I start comparing my life, my gifts, my skills, my finances, any of it, <laughs> it's like I go down a deep pit fast. I mean, I just go, whoa, this discontent starts to set in. So what I would say with a guy, hospitality is going to be different for men than it is for women. And I think that's good news because it means that you find your own way of doing it. And um, I can think of a lot of men that create connection and community and hospitality that does not look like sitting around a dining room table having a, you know, six-course meal. In fact, that sounds like horror. Maybe (laughs) (laughs) Maybe to a lot of men that sounds like a horror show. So um, it just depends on what, you know, what is it, grabbing a burger, having, going out to have a drink with each other, whatever that looks like for um, that relationship. But food is important. It's not the focus, it's a tool, but it is important. So just sitting down with another man or another couple of men, if you don't put out some, um, you know, hot chicken wings, you're in trouble. I how you you got to put out your burgers. You got to put out right. stuff that makes people feel feel they feel safe. And so, oftentimes, when my son um, through the years, uh, you know, when he was younger, now he's on to soon on to medical school. But when he was young, he would have all his friends over. And one of the things I learned was if I put out the food they loved. Not necessarily what was best for them, <laughs> but what they loved, if I put out you know, the pizza and the chicken wings and the chips and the dip and all of that stuff, um, his friends would come. I mean, lots of them would come. In fact, I'm confident they were texting each other saying there's food at Sam's house <laughs> because, you know, they'd come in the masses. But what happened was I would slowly move into another room. They would be playing poker or whatever they do, all the stuff that they were doing. And I would hear an earshot away what was actually happening in their lives. And I was able to connect. They would come into the kitchen, these guys that would never sit down and talk to a mother of a cure. And and they would come into the kitchen and they would share the most amazing things with me. And, and I have learned consistently, if you enter food into a dynamic, especially comfort food for people that they're familiar with, you're not trying to impress them, you're just try, trying to bring comfort and care, all of a sudden those dynamics change. So for a guy in an apartment, I don't know exactly what that looks like. What, but, what does he love? What would he love someone to do for him? And I think that's where you begin. Another possibility, you tell me if I'm wrong here, uh, it's okay to invite people over, especially if they're your friends, uh, and to ask them to participate and bring a dish that they really like. And totally. people can, it doesn't all have to be on the the host house plate, as it were. I actually think, I actually think it breaks down the barriers that people have to bring when you ask people to be involved. Um, when people come to my house for a meal, I usually have appetizers. I've got all the ingredients over in a corner, and I'll say to people, like, you know, what do people always say when they walk into your home? Is there anything I can do? And I'm always like, if you ask me that at my house, I will give you a job. <laughs> <laughs> and so I have, like, appetizers ready to go. They assemble them. I put a little recipe out for people, and they... What do they do? They love it. They're talking. They're having a blast cooking together. And so so what if it's not all prepared and it's all put together? We have to still get past ourselves in so many ways um, of really loving people. We have to get past it. And we have to just say, have a great time doing it. Or have a you know, list of, yeah, go you know, fill the water glasses. Or, yeah, would you bring a dessert? I oftentimes have people say, well, I don't know what to bring. And I'm like, here, I'll send you a recipe. This is my <laughs> now, 
Now, Tammy, we, we, we're, we're trying to speak to men here, so I need to make something clear. If you give someone a job, it can't be putting them into isolation like, oh, yeah, would you go mow my lawn? See, that doesn't build community if they've left the room. Okay, just oh, I, <laughs> I get so much done whenever I'm hospitable. <laughs> oh, you know what, though? I have to tell you, I think men love this. They love it. I have, they just need permission. You just need to give them permission to have a great time and not do it perfectly and not, and women need to let go of the idea that men have to do it like them. They don't. It's going to look really different. It's great. I have people come over all the time. And, I, you know, grilling is a great thing to do because men love to grill. And, but I don't micromanage what they do. Heaven knows sometimes what they bring in from outside. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? They own it. They have fun doing it. The, the four or five other men, you know, standing around a grill having a great time. I have to let it go that it doesn't have to look like the way I do it. And I think if you have the perspective that the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is to create an atmosphere where people feel safe, people feel seen, people feel heard, if that is how you go into that experience, when you leave and those people walk out your door and you sit down and you think through what, what that evening was, I will guarantee you it will happen if, you're, if, if you open up the parameters of what that's supposed to look like and you relax and you let people be and you give people space and you put people in charge and you get them involved, you ultimately have what I believe to be the true body of Christ and its amazing power and influence in the people's lives that you have brought into your home. It's, it's truly transformational. Let me let me throw one more option out there, which is not necessarily appropriate for every meal, but uh, I think Christians forget that Jesus gave us uh, the sacraments. He gave us communion, the right. bread and the wine, to be yeah. a common meal practice. He gave us common elements for common meal. And if yeah. you want to really see... A, uh, a time of just sitting around with friends, take a weird and beautiful shift, bring out the elements and say, hey, I want to do communion mm. here. You don't need a pastor to do it. You don't need a priest to bless it. Yeah. Jesus already gave you permission. Thoughts on that, Tammy? Yeah, I love that. Okay, so I didn't... I, I... I love that because the very last... Think about this. The last meal that Jesus had on earth was exactly that. I mean, that the very last meal he had with his most beloved friends and intimate, in the most intimate setting with those that he loved before the, you know, the, the torture that he knew he was going into was that meal. And then you think about the very first meal Jesus had. Uh, after his resurrection, was when he was on the seashore calling out to the disciples. And what was he doing? He was, he was grilling fish. I mean, he, was in a, he, he had a fire, and he was making them fish. Why? Why, why, why? Because here he was entering back into their lives in a familiar way that they knew. Here, from the Last Supper he, uh, to the first meal, he was sharing fish, which was the common... Oh my goodness, think of how many times they shared fish together at a, at a fire pit. He was creating an atmosphere that was familiar to them, that was something that, that, that was speaking more than I'm just giving you food. It was, it's me. It's right. me. Your, your Savior, your Redeemer, I'm back. I'm here. I'm here for you. I'm doing something that will bring this sense of comfort of the familiar. And so I, I, I think what you're saying is actually amazing. I think it's a beautiful picture. And I think Christ already mirrored that for us. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think, it's, I, think it's, I think it's incredibly, I think it's the coolest thing at all that we could do that together and that we can still do that together. 
Well, and I, it's also, it's also my hope because it says uh, in Luke 22, when the hour had come, he reclined at the table, his apostles with him. And he said, mm -hmm. I've earnestly desired, like I, I desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So mm -hmm. even the idea that I'm going to get to share this meal with him and I'm practicing now is, is pretty great because he's, he's waiting for that mm -hmm. meal with me. Yeah. All right. So here's a question. Growing up, my family, we did not do, we didn't do hospitality. I can remember a handful of times that we had, that I had friends over and typically it was friends, not friends. Um, and that was usually in the basement playing a video game. My wife and I, we don't, we don't, what I would call entertain, but we're hospitable people. We're nice, but we don't have folks over. Our house is generally messy. We have four dogs, you know. Um, so <laughs> as, you guys, as you guys are talking about this, I'm like 75% into a panic attack thinking about having <laughs> people over to my house. Like, one, how do I have that conversation with my wife to say, hey, honey, I want to have five guys over. Like, how do I have that conversation to say, no, 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 everything doesn't have to be clean. It's okay. And... Like, what are, like, baby steps for a guy like me who is totally unaccustomed to this, who I'm totally comfortable going to a pub? That gets expensive. Um, mm -hmm. How do I bring that home? Like, what, give me three easy steps. Four easy steps. It's a great question. It's a great, great, great question. Um, I use this phrase called start simply, but simply start. It's a concept that I've taught on hospitality for probably 20 years. It's to start very simply, but start the process because perfection, perfectionism paralyzes us. We're paralyzed. So you're maybe at 75% paralyzed, but there are people that are 99% paralyzed. Hey, good for so Newton. Start, it, yeah, exactly. So to start simply. So maybe it isn't in your home. Maybe you um, set a place, at, you know, at a park or a picnic or um a place that you can gather together uh, with that's conducive to the life of your dog, to the life that you have small children. Maybe it's uh, you meet at someone else's house that does feel familiar or has um, more confidence in hospitality because I believe it's a skill. I, I believe it's also something the more you do it, the more confident you become in it. I think it's something you learn. You don't just have the gift of it. You you actually exercise it and it gets you become more confident in it. But maybe there's somebody else that you know that really, um, yeah, they're they're feeling really great about, yeah, let's just have five guys over. And you could, your role may be putting it together. It may not be necessarily hosting it. Maybe your role is calling up four friends and saying, let's, do, let's get together. And, you know, we'll do this, this, and this. We'll grill burgers or I'll bring... Whatever, whatever, whatever that looks like for you. Maybe it's just instigating it's starting to happen. So it may not be in your home. Find it in another location. Hospitality doesn't just happen in our homes. It happens everywhere because the ultimate message of hospitality is bringing food into a mix where you're talking to another person and you're bringing comfort, healing, and care to their life. So it could be meeting in a restaurant. So at times, as you said, that can get expensive. So I always think think about communicating with other people that you know may have ideas. Um, maybe it's after work. Uh, it's something as simple as getting you know appetizers to friends. It doesn't have to be just a big meal at your home around your table. The bigger idea of this is connecting with another person or two people. I have a woman that um, has never, she still does not cook. She's never cooked. She hates cooking. It, it, it creates such anxiety for both her and her husband. But what they do is they've learned to buy all their food at Costco. <laughs> Thank God for Costco. And um, they do a lasagna night. And so this is, these are people that have never had people in their home for years and years and years. And when I talked to them, I said, just start simply. Go to Sam's Club, buy a lasagna, get some French bread, ask somebody else to bring a salad, and just invite one other couple over. And 
they started simply, and now they do it with hundreds and hundreds of people in their home, which is, they have a simple home. They have a simple life. It is not a complicated thing. They've made it much more complicated than it is. But as long as you think about how it affects you, then you're going to become paralyzed. If you think about the message you want to give other people, then you're going to find empowerment and freedom. So, you know, it's, it's collaborating with other people, other couples, other friends, making it work for the lifestyle you live in. So if you have little kids, it's going to look different than if you're a empty nester. Now, and then I'm, collaborating with other people. I'm going to add one more piece uh, on, on, the man, on the manly side of things. Uh, Newton, I too have a bride that really does have a high standard for the house. If anybody comes over, she actually went into labor early, uh, with our third child because someone threatened to come bring her a card. And so she cleaned the whole house and went into labor. So I understand, uh, living with a woman who feels that. And I know I am not going to teach her to feel differently besides it not being my job. It's it's not impossible. So when we moved to our new house, I dug a fire pit, went to the thrift store, got a bunch of coffee tables that I lacquered so they can sit outside. And when I have guys over, I tell them to go to the gate. Don't go through the house. Um, <laughs> I love it. And so we we do not touch. My wife will still clean up because someone might use the restroom. But she doesn't have to be nearly as thorough when people aren't going to be sitting in the house. And so we have great times yeah. sitting out. Uh, you know, it, dur- it. during these months, we might be sitting around the campfire while it's still light out with no fire on. But it's okay because there's still a fire pit and there is the ash of manliness that has smoldered in the past. I think it's a great idea. I love that idea. And I think you just have to think about it, pray it through, see what it looks like for you. There's no formula or system to it. It's just starting. It's beginning. It's getting past that first point. And then just start moving. And, and then asking, you know, I pray about it, Lord. Bring people to me that, that need to know that they're not alone. They're not isolated. They're, they're, um, their desires to sit in community. I mean, I could tell you story after story after story. Unbelievable stories of things that have happened when I was willing to reach out of my comfort zone and speak into another life of a person, sit down, maybe have this coffee with them, meet them and have coffee. And it's just, um, it's transformational. It's not just, it really is not just informational. It really is transformational. And that, that is the message, I believe, of hospitality, of giving others a message about their value. It's starting simply, but simply starting the process. And then just wait and watch and see what God does. I think it's a, I think it's a really beautiful way of sharing Christ and um, being an ambassador of reconciliation to, to a really hurting world. So if you want to connect more with Tammy, and it has links to her books, you can uh, get some Start Simply Cooking, right? So that's perfect for Newton. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Confessions right. of a Good it Christian is. Girl. <laughs> so you, you wrote it down. It the God Who Sees You. Go to Tammy Maltby, M-A-L-T-B-Y dot com. And you'll get all kinds okay. of extra stuff, and, and you can also go through the new recipe she puts up. Uh, I am going to possibly tonight try your hamburgers with whipping cream. Cause I yeah, just... you have to try it. Let me know how it goes. All right. I I'll, think I like this. <laughs> I'll let you know. Hey, it was great talking to you guys. May God bless you, too, and all you're doing. And say hello to your beautiful wife. And it's fun to connect. Let's do something again in the future. Yes, I I. I insist on it. (laughs) I'll talk to you later. (laughs) Thanks, Tammy. Okay, God bless. Bye for now. Bye. Now I taught the weeping willow how to cry And I showed the clouds how to cover up a clear blue sky And the tears that I cried for that woman are gonna flood you big river I'm gonna sit right here until I die. I met her accidentally in St. Paul, Minnesota, and it tore me up. Well, it's been a great visit here on the Pirate Monk podcast. We're 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 stumbling back toward regularity. I love doing remote episodes. Maybe next week we can do one from your car. <laughs> <laughs>
and then maybe someday we can change driveways. <laughs> It'll be awesome. Yeah. The Pirate Monk Roadshow. Yeah. Hey, if you would like us to come do the show in your driveway. <laughs> uh, huh. We'd love to get your mail. You can reach us at samsonpodcast at gmail.com or at piratemonkradio and, at yeah. gmail.com. And make sure and visit that brand spanking new Facebook page and interact us. Interact with us. Will you there? Find us at Facebook at Pirate Monk Radio. Yeah, and and uh, if you do, you can ask questions there. I would be excited to hear somebody uh, post a question for like Nate or you know me or Mondo or Newton. But I'm sure it's going to be you know you want to know something something strange about Nate's personal life or his history. <laughs> so you know, ask find some zingers. I want to see that on the wall that, on Facebook. Things like that. That'd be great. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, until next week, I'm Nate. I'm Newton. And I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week here on the Pirate Monk Podcast.